Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. A crossover officially happening in National City. And we discuss Bizarro. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. My name is Rebecca Johnson. And in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about the season one episode of the show titled Bizarro. But before we get into all that discussion, we have the news. <laughs> a Supergirl Flash crossover is happening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, according to CBS, quote, actor Grant Gustin, who plays Barry Allen slash The Flash in CW's The Flash, will make his way into National City alongside Melissa Benoist, who stars as Cara Danvers slash Supergirl. On the special Supergirl episode slated for Monday, March 28th at 8, 7 central on CBS, end quote. I am so excited about this. I think we all are because we've kind of been dancing around this point forever. So it's good to see that it's actually finally happening. Yeah, it's really funny because a couple of weeks ago when I went to the Warner Brothers studio tour, when I was like on the lot, the tour guide, it, it's it's funny because like when you go to that studio tour, you can tell the tour guide like I'm a fan of this show and they will take you to a set of that show or they'll try to give you some trivia about the show or whatever. And so I told the guy, I was like, you know, I'm a Supergirl fan. I do a podcast about Supergirl, love the show. And so like during the tour, he kept mentioning things related to Supergirl. And he actually mentioned, and I don't know what this means, but he said he saw Candace Patton on the lot <laughs> recently, uh, like right before we had gotten there, I guess, so it was funny because at that time, I t- I even told the tour guide, I was like, eh, they've been talking about that Flash Supergirl thing forever. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. I literally said that to the guy. I was like, I'll <laughs> believe it when I see it. And uh, now that this is official and this has come out like this is a real thing that's happening, now I'm starting to think maybe that Candace Patton thing could be something. I don't know if it is. I mean, the tour guide just sees what he sees. They don't right. ha- they don't have any like real substantial information. Nobody tells them anything. They just see things as they're going through the lot every day. And you know, it could be she was going to the WB studio for like a photo shoot or maybe she was having a meeting with Berlanti's people cuz Berlanti Productions is on the WB lot. I don't know. But now that the Flash is there, I don't think it's too out of the realm of possibilities that maybe Iris will come with him. So, yeah. Well, so we'll see what happens. But uh, I just, when I saw that news today, I was like, oh, maybe that tour guy, maybe I shouldn't have dismissed him uh, so quickly. So that's, that's kind of intriguing now. 
It's true. No, and uh, and yeah, usually whenever they've done the crossover episodes with the Flash and Arrow, um, there's always it's it's always more than one person, you know. Like there's always the you know to give the context, it's like okay, it'll be Oliver and Felicity coming to you know Central City, or it'll be you know uh, the Flash and um, Cisco, you know, going to uh, to Starling City. So I I I. I very much imagine that Candace Patton will be making an appearance with Barry uh, in National City. And if at some she point. and if she does, I selfishly hope that she like goes to Catco because that to me seems you know I'm just speculating here. I'm just spitballing. Like yeah, she, just you know <laughs> she could, she could totally show up at Catco and have a meeting with Cat Grant over some news related items. I don't know. Oh but, my god, totally apply for a job. Oh my god, be like um I'd like to work here because yeah. <laughs> That would be so fun. But uh, I think, you know, I think you you have a good point that they kind of when they promote these crossovers, they promote it as this superhero is hanging out with this superhero, which is fun. We all get really excited about that. And I think it's cool that like everybody got really excited about that when this news popped up today. And even Grant Gustin uh, Instagrammed a picture of, I guess, is the script um, for this Supergirl crossover, and the episode title is called World's Finest, and it's supposed to be episode 18 of Supergirl season one. Uh, the story by Greg Berlanti, and the script is going to be written by Andrew Kreisberg and Michael Grassi. So that's very exciting. It's a real legit thing that's happening. There is, <laughs> there is a script, and everybody's tweeting about it, everybody from the cast and um, all the writers and everything. So uh, I'm excited to see how they incorporate the Flash, because I don't know why he would be coming to National City, and I don't know what he would be doing with Supergirl, but I'm very excited to see how they try to tell that story. Yeah, I mean, I it's funny. I was just looking at the calendar to see, like, um, I think it just occurred to me that uh, March 28th is very close to April 1st. Um, I'm like, like, all I'm saying is they better not be playing some kind of elaborate April Fool's prank on all of us. If if they are, (laughs) it is a huge production that they're, they're going for. They're going all out, which honestly, and I'm sure it's not, but if it were just like an elaborate April Fool's joke, I'd be like, well done. You orchestrated that really well. I mean, I'm upset about it, but round of applause. That's, (laughs) you know, good for you. That was a well-executed prank. (laughs) Um. No, I am sure that is 100% the real deal. And I'm I'm hoping that there is some sort of race between the two of them. I think that would be really fun because that's a very famous thing in the comics that Superman and The Flash... Uh, had a race to see who was fastest. So I, I can't imagine they, they wouldn't do something like that in the episode. Totally. And actually that uh, that variety photo of the two of them uh, in costume was kind of alluding to that as well. <laughs> right, so, right. You know. Um, but yeah, let's get down to it because I know that we were both kind of looking forward to this week's episode of Supergirl. Um, let's get into our discussion of the season one Supergirl episode called Bizarro including one of our favorite Supergirl villains here at Supergirl Radio. Here is the official description from CBS. Quote, Kara faces off, sorry, Kara, faces <laughs> off against her mirror image when Bizarro, played by Hope Lauren, a twisted version of Supergirl, sets out to destroy her. Also, Kara grows closer with Kat's son, Adam, played by Blake Jenner. End quote. Lots to to discuss and talk about in this uh, episode, um, but let's get into uh, the main event, which is Bizarro. 
Um, not called Bizarro Girl, incidentally, yeah. in this. Cat uh, names her Bizarro. Um, what did you think about uh, the way they used the character? I, I was so used to calling her Bizarro Girl. It was we- really weird for me to try to think of her as Bizarro. Because, like, to me, that's a whole other character. Um, yeah. But I really liked this episode. And I thought what they did with how they did this version of Bizarro was actually very well done and but even though like this episode and how they did it on the cbs show didn't really have like the depth that sterling gates's bizarro girl trade paperback really got into because there was there was more to the page he had more time to kind of develop that and have a whole like bizarro world and everything that was going on in that storyline i felt like the show did a really good job of capturing the dynamic between supergirl and bizarro um, because that was one of the things that I was really excited about when we heard that she was, or, and when we saw that she was going to be on the show, because that was one of my favorite things about that trade paperback is the connection that Supergirl makes with Bizarro Girl and how mm-hmm. they realize they are more alike than they thought they were. And so I thought the sweetness between them and the compassion that Supergirl shows her in the books yeah was present in the episode, especially there at the end when Bizarro Girl, you know, she says that she's afraid. And um, there's a really sweet moment where Supergirl says, you know, I'm going to hold your hand until you (laughs) fall asleep. Oh, I love that scene. So, so good because like, it it gave more insight, not not just to Bizarro, but into what Kara went through after Krypton exploded and all that, you know, she says, I, I once went to sleep for a long time, too, and I was afraid. But when I woke up, I wasn't alone. And she says, you're not going to be alone either. And I just, like, that, the, that to me was Supergirl. Like, yeah. for, you know, for the last couple of episodes, I've been really hard on Kara because of some of the decision, decisions that she has made. Um, but I felt like this episode, in, ter- in terms of the Bizarro story part of this episode... I thought Supergirl was 100% Supergirl, and I was really happy to see that. Yeah, no, I, I love that scene too. And it's funny, until she mentioned it, I, I didn't make the connection. Like, it, it totally, I, I'd forgotten, you know, that she had been through something similar. And so when she mentioned it, I was like, that's right. She would know exactly what this feels like. Um, so I thought it was cool that they that they brought that up and, and had her relate to her in that way. The same way she does with other char- uh, other characters, uh, with other parts of her experience. I thought that was really cool. And I did love Bizarro in this. Um, I was kind of glad that they didn't do the whole Bizarro planet thing. Like, I know we were talking about kind of being disappointed about that. But I also wanted to see what the show would do to make it different. And I kind of liked the idea that, um, you know, well, obviously... Maxwell Lord, you know, gave her some kind of crazy plastic surgery to make her look like look like uh, Kara at first. But then even when she didn't have her face anymore, and I loved, 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 loved when she disintegrated and you see that that, that she looks very much like Bizarro in the comic, Bizarro Girl in the comic, but that the connection to Kara was like DNA deep, you know, yeah, like yeah. it was it was genetic. So like she didn't have to look like her for her to feel like Kara in her core. And I thought that was kind of more important. And I, I really liked how they did that. And in that scene where she's talking to Jimmy, where, where Jimmy's kind of, you know, she says she, she doesn't want to like turn her face toward him because she feels ugly. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's trying to talk her down and be like, hey, you know, 
what makes Supergirl special is not how she looks. It's how she acts. It's her her heroism and the way she cares about people. And you you still can be that. You can still be like Supergirl if you do that. And to watch her kind of wrestle with that and be insecure. And even when in the beginning when she first – uh, is fighting Supergirl at the tram mm-hmm. when uh, she she goes after that tram of people. And when Kara makes the decision to, like, stop her fight with Bizarro to go save these people, you see the look on Bizarro's face yes. like, huh. You know, like, like she just went to go save somebody. But Maxwell Lord told me she was evil. That doesn't seem right. And you kind of watch that happen on her face. So even throughout... Maxwell Lord's super creepy brainwashing, <laughs> um, you see Bizarro kind of wrestling with that. So all throughout, uh, you can see like the Kara poking through, you know, like p- trying to poke through the programming to make its way to the surface. And I thought I really liked how they handled that. Yeah, I didn't even notice that until my second time through the episode. And I like that when you get to the point where she's like, Supergirl, not bad. Like, you know, you know why she thinks that she didn't just like come up with it on her own. She's witnessed Supergirl saving a whole bunch of people. And to be honest, that tram rescue, that whole like sequence is like one Mm -hmm. of my favorite things that the show has done so far. I (laughs) I thought that was so fantastic. And I like your point about the DNA part of it. Like Supergirl continues to say throughout the episode, like she doesn't just look like me. She is me. And right. um, I, I liked that even in this episode, there was some mirror imagery that yeah. was going on through the way they shot things. Like Alex says, she's a mirror image. And there's this shot of Maxwell Lord, like looking at himself in the mirror at one point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a, a lot of this, a lot of these mirror images were of Maxwell Lord, which was really interesting. <laughs> um, like there's another shot where it, the camera sort of tilts up for Maxwell Lord um, from the glass of his table to his face. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. It was like, you, you didn't see the mirror imagery used on Supergirl or Bizarro, you, you saw it on Maxwell Lord. And I, I was like, hmm, that makes me question all kinds of things. Like what would Maxwell Lord's mirror image be? Um, yeah. but, uh, I thought that was neat that within an episode that had so much about two characters being mirror images of each other, they, they kind of worked some of that, uh, photography in there to, to show that there were mirrors, um, in the shots. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting cause like, okay, um, I I liked this episode overall, but I also had lots of problems, um, mostly character-based problems. Um, and Maxwell Lord is like a huge part of that for me. Um, I am not a huge fan of how they've been kind of developing his character over the past few episodes because it's like he went from zero to crazy. Like he <laughs> went from, from, from like zero to obsessed in a matter of like three episodes and – in this one, I mean, he just like went all the way to crazy town. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> and like – and it's funny because in the beginning, they seem to be building him up as this character who has a genuine desire to make National City and the world a better place. And like a genuine fear that Supergirl and aliens like her would – harm people like it, it like I didn't agree with him and I obviously want you know Supergirl to thwart his efforts because I know how good she is but he seemed relatable he seemed like a human being who like you know had a legitimate fear right like this the same way General Lane does like you don't agree with him and he's a pompous douche but like he <laughs> he, he but you get it like you, yeah. you understand that there will be people who feel like that but now it's like become this like they, they've they're trying to make him Ahab and Moby Dick but 
in the span of like five minutes. <laughs> you know, like like Ahab and Moby Dick has like you know months and months of pursuing this whale, and it's like becomes this obsession. Whereas like you know, and and that's only after. Moby Dick like bites his leg off or something like like it takes that much for him to get that obsessed whereas Maxwell Lord it's like what has Supergirl actually done to him to make him freak out like this and to the point where he's willing to kind of take over the bodies of seven girls that are Jane Doe's at his company like like it just it's it seems like such a stretch from the Maxwell Lord we started to get to know it just seemed like it came out of nowhere just to kind of justify this story. And it, it just bugs me. <laughs> I was like, he was, he was, he was, they were shaping him up to be a villain that like, you could kind of understand. Like, yes, he's the Lex Luthor of the show or whatever, but like Lex Luthor is always kind of very measured and very, until he, you know, eventually evolves to become like, whoa. And usually with Lex, you won't see him show his cards so soon. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think Maxwell Lord, it's it's funny you mentioned Moby Dick, but I got a lot of Doctor Frankenstein yes. stuff out of this, um, and <laughs> totally. he and he directly mentions Doctor Frank. Well, I guess sort of indirectly. Um, there's a quote that he says, "Death is the veil which those who live call life. Yes. They sleep in it; it's lifted." And I thought in that moment, in that scene, when he's saying that, he's actually removing the bandage from Bizarro's face, like the veil is literally being lifted. And I really totally. liked that. And I had to look up, look up the quote because I was like, "That has to be from somewhere." And yeah. it's it's a quote uh, by, P- and he actually mentions it in the scene. It's from P.B. Shelley's uh, Prometheus Unbound. Yeah. And she is not only, or she was not only an English romantic poet, but the husband of Mary Shelley, who, uh, no, that's not right. He was an English romantic poet and the yeah. husband of Mary Shelley, <laughs> Mary Shelley, who famously wrote Frankenstein. So totally. um, that, and of course, the the whole like, Maxwell Lord saying she's alive. She's alive. Yeah. Um, so I there, was to say, I'm like, you don't get more obvious than that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought that was really interesting that they, they threw a lot of Frankenstein. Cause I mean, that's basically what he did was that he took those girls and he, what was really creepy about that is like, he doesn't seem to, to care that he took those girls and did these things to them. Um, because he justifies it saying, well, they were brain dead with zero chance of recovery. No big whoop. Yeah. Um, right. Like as if, and and just on a logistical level, like, I just found it hard to believe that he would find seven Jane Doe's with, like, no family or anything looking for them that all fit the criteria to, like, look enough like Supergirl to – like, I was just like, really? Seven of them you found before you found – before you got to this one? Um, that all fi- – I mean, maybe she has a very generic look, a very generic body type. I don't know. But, like yeah. – I was just like, really, that many people fit this criteria that also don't have family that would totally come after you? Like, he's he's, he's a very her. thorough supervillain. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, oh, God. Um, but it's funny, when you talked about the mirror images before, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about, um, and now that you bring up Frankenstein, too, that he created Bizarro kind of like an extension of himself. It's, you know, his Supergirl. It's, so oh, it's, yeah. never, it's never just about, like, the fact that she and Kara are the same, but the fact that he has a Supergirl now. So it's it, it, really she was more about him. And so like on some level, and, I, and I'm only just thinking about this now, but it's like on some level, he wants to be the Supergirl, you know? Like he wants to be that hero that people turn to rather than this alien that is all of a sudden getting all these accolades after just showing up. So 
yeah, talking about mirror images, it's like he he does want to be the Kara on some level. Um, not her specifically, but he wants to be that person that everyone sees as their savior. Um, so talk about a god complex. They they you know yeah. you know H- Hank brought that up. He's like he's he he has a god complex, but he's not god. Yeah, um, I I like that point about not only. Um you know, the God complex part of it, but the fact that making a Bizarro or his own version of Supergirl was more about himself because he, you know, he calls Bizarro his most perfect creation. And so I think it was more of a a show of his power (laughs) and what he could do with his intellect. So (laughs) I I like those points. Yeah, which is a very different, I mean, obviously in in, uh, the comics, Bizarro Girl is her own person. Like she is her own kind of, mirror of Supergirl. And that's a very different story. Like that, I love that. And that totally has its place. But I thought it was interesting that in the, the kind of battle that they're setting up between good and evil here, uh, that Maxwell Lord kind of uses Supergirl against herself because, you know, he wants to take that place. So it's more between them. And, and that's a different story, but it's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. Well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, the date portion of this episode, which is kind of the other big storyline here. Uh, Kara and Adam finally get to go. Well, they have two dates in this episode. They do. Um, So they try once. It doesn't work out. They try again. What did you think about that aspect of the story? I honestly thought it was the weakest portion of the episode. I'm mm. I'm not real thrilled by how they're handling romance on this show. Um, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> I I would have totally signed up for Cara and Adam. I was willing to invest in whatever this was gonna be. Like, yeah, was it gonna be a thing where she made a connection with him and they developed a relationship, and then oh, Toy Man maybe comes back and does something to Adam? Like that could have been a good story. But we went from. One episode where Wynn confesses his feelings to to Kara, about Kara. Then in the next episode, we get Adam showing up. Then I think in the next episode, I, I hope I'm getting my sequence of episodes correct. In the next episode, Adam and Kara go on a, on a couple of dates. And in that same episode, they're like, oh, by the way, remember James has feelings for Kara? And yeah, he confesses and, and he con- <laughs> and he confesses that he loves her to Bizarro. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? It, I yeah. I I'm a hopeless romantic and I love love stories. Uh it's part of the reason I do watch soap operas. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny because I would love to be about a relationship on this show. But I can't get invested. I don't have time to get invested in them because they the, they switch they end so quickly, so so quickly. <laughs> so I don't. You know, I would I would totally be about James and Kara, but he's in this other relationship with Lucy, and there are all these. And I get it. Melissa Benoist is beautiful, and I get that dudes would be falling all over themselves to try to pursue a relationship with her, but it's like, calm down. Y'all don't need to be riding her with all these guys. So, And so I guess my biggest disappointment with this part of the episode was that he just, he leaves. Like, yeah. to me, that closes a lot of doors on a lot of story that they could have told. And I just, and I, and I understand that for Kara, this was a big deal to her because she kind of walks away from it like I can't I can't have a relationship with somebody that's it's not possible for me and so I think that's something that Kara's gonna have to deal with and kind of have to figure out and I think the James thing 
if it ended up being a case where they could be together, that would solve a lot of her problems because James, like she could leave and go <laughs> save a tram full of people and he would be like, okay, I'll see you later. Like yeah, he wouldn't yeah. care. And I think that's kind of what she's going to eventually have to learn is that if she wants to have a love life, if she wants to have somebody special in her life, she's going to need somebody who knows her secret and knows who she is right. and cares about her in that way. But I just, I kind of was disappointed. Like, Adam could have stuck around for a little while, and I think I would have wanted to invest in a relationship just to see Kara have to deal with it. But I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was too quick of a turnaround. Yeah, no, I, I was disappointed too. I think for, for um, I mean, uh, not different reasons, but additional reasons. Because, like, uh, one, I would have liked to see that develop, that that relationship between them. Because I I do think, honestly, when she call, when she went into Kat's office, which, by the way, best line delivery ever, when Kat is like, oh, I guess I'll just wander the halls of my own <laughs> building. I busted a gut laughing. That was like, Callista Flockhart, you win best line of the episode, because that was amazing. Um, but when she called, when she was talking to him in, in the office, a part of me thought that she was going to tell him she was Supergirl. Like, that's where I kind of thought they were going with it. Because yeah. I didn't think that they would break it up that quickly, you know? And I was like, wow, is she going to, like, trust him? Is she going to, like, kind of bring him in on all of this because, you know, they have a connection? And He's Cat Grant's son. She wouldn't trust him. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's how she does with the Grant family. <laughs> well, apparently, but, but he's so unlike her. Like, it, it's yeah, only. Yeah, that's true. It's only recently that she, that he trusts his own mother. You right. know what I mean? Like, if she's going to tell anybody, tell the one that doesn't trust Cat Grant. <laughs> um, but, like, but yeah, like, I, I I kind of had an inkling that's where they were going. And then when she said she was ending it, I was like, what? Um, but really, what disappointed me about this episode was what you brought up with, J- with James. Um, I like his relationship with Lucy. And up until this point, he's always chosen Lucy over Kara. There's not been this indication that he's had the same puppy dog feelings for for her that she has for him. And I always kept his feelings and Wynn's feelings very separate. Like, obviously, there was an attraction there. Obviously, you know, especially in the beginning when he was separated from Lucy, it was it was clear that he was looking at Kara as something more, mm-hmm. but then when when he finally he he chose Lucy, he goes to pick her up at the airport. He he makes that decision, and every single time we see them together, they they seem like the most together, competent couple ever. And I'm like, yes, I like that's the couple I'm rooting for, honestly, because they they seem to have a really balanced, healthy, awesome relationship. Um, relationships don't have to be filled with drama and turmoil to be interesting. They don't. And, they don't. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like they they are were actual, like, partners. And you could see that. And it was great. And then now, all of a sudden, like, in this in the, a span of, like, an episode, he's gone back to, oh, sigh, Kara. When he hasn't been looking or feeling like that no. for, like, a long time. And I'm like, where'd this come from all of a sudden again? So there's that. I mean, honestly, there was a lot of... Um, and I'm kind of going into James here a little bit because I mentioned when I was talking about Maxwell Lord that a lot of my problems with this episode were kind of character based. And James, <sighs> okay, <laughs> I had to take a breath. Um, I it. really do not like how they are writing him at all. First of all, 
Um, and this actually brought up an interesting an interesting thought for me because he's the worst damsel in distress ever. <laughs> um, when he was, you know, taken prisoner by uh, Bizarro, he was doing an amazing job of talking her down. Like mm-hmm. she, she, he had her at the point where she was trusting him, believing what he was saying, feeling good about herself. Had he kept talking to her like that, she might have let him go. Right. But he had to go and screw it up by going for his watch and – now she thinks he's a liar. Yeah. So, like, what were you doing? Like, uh, so that was just Well, dumb. they had to get Supergirl to the scene. Yeah, yeah but I feel like she <laughs> would have gone to the scene. All she had to do was, like, fly around and listen. She has super hearing. That's she doesn't, true. She doesn't need a watch to tell her where <laughs> he is. But the stuff like that plus the stuff with the romance, it's uh, – and the fact that he still hasn't had his own story. Yeah. Um, really bothers me, especially since they've given one to win. They've given one to everybody else. And Alex is kind of a th- like Alex hasn't had her own distinct story, but that's only because she's such a part of the, the fabric of the show. Well, like, she did have that episode with Helen Slater. Yeah, yeah. So oh, there, so there actually, was that. Yeah, she did. yeah. Yes. No, you're right. That that totally was an Alex episode. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna call. You know, like we had the win episode, we've had the Alex episode, we've had the Martian Manhunter episode. Right. Where is the James episode? I'm waiting. Make it happen. Um, cause cause really James gets gets more and more like diluted and mamby pamby with every episode, and it's really starting to bug me. So what did you think about James in this episode? The positive aspect of James in this episode was his interaction with Bizarro. I felt like he was very encouraging to her and he was very yes. perceptive to understand that, you know, when, she, when Bizarro tells him Supergirl and me same. And so I think that's when he realizes that he can talk to her because he can talk to Kara like that. Yeah. So I think there was a lot of good things about his character in that scene. And I did like that um, Bizarro took him and, and it says something about how like, Bizarro knew to take him because Supergirl loves James and all that kind of you can go mm-hmm. there but I thought it was cool because I recently kind of reflipped through Sterling Gates's Bizarro Girl just to kind of prep for the episode and there is a moment in the book where Bizarro takes James right and um and or has him in in captivity I guess you could say. And so I kind of like that little connection back to the books. I don't know if that was intentional, but I I sort of made that connection. So there were some cool things about James in the episode, but I just really was disappointed by the love stuff. I think the writing of it is just so chaotic and inconsistent, and I'm just not a huge fan of it. Of course, the Berlanti shows are not known for their super great love stories (laughs) and and the way they're handled. I mean... Arrow, I don't even want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> the Flash does a, a decent enough job, but I, I still kind of, there isn't a love story on any of these shows where I'm just like clinging to the TV. Right. Um, you know, yeah. Um, like I do The Young and the Restless. I'm like, come on, make this happen, be happy. You know, yeah. it's, it's nothing like that. And so I kind of, I think one of the things I wish the show would be better about is telling a love story. It's not, to me, and maybe I'm old-fashioned, <laughs> but to me, it's not just like who's sleeping with who, who's right. attracted to who. I want an actual love story. Right. I, I know the will they want they is kind of looked down at nowadays with television, 
But that that really draws me in. I if they were gonna and I know they've been setting up the James Cara thing from the beginning. That's very clear. But I don't think they've done a good enough job to get him to this point where I care about it. I, I guess well, if that's they fair to say. Well, because they had him sort of get over it as the thing. Like it hasn't been consistent. Well, so I think, I think they both kind of got over it a little. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's like, of course you're not going to be rooting for that anymore because they don't seem to care. Right. So, you know, why would you? Um, no, I agree. And also, I wanted to bring up that really, really awkward scene between James and Wynne, um, oh. which I thought was totally unnecessary, that they're at the office drinking whiskey, yeah. having this conversation. <laughs> and I was like, when did they – I mean, I knew they were trying to set them up as bros and they're trying to, like, get them closer. But, like, they would never have this con- – like, when did they get close enough to have slumber party conversation at work? <laughs> like, I didn't buy that at all. And James is frustrating. Um, and Macad Brooks deserves better because I love Macad Brooks. I love I loved him on True Blood. I, th- I think he's a great actor. They need to give him more to do. Because his feelings for about Kara are all like wishy washy. Mm-hmm. Uh, his feelings about his job are wishy washy. His feelings about um, Lucy are wishy washy. Like everything in this character is, I can't make a decision. Yeah. Um, and I can't get attached to somebody like that because, you know, it's it's like there's nothing to hold on to. There's nothing grounded except that you know he believes in Supergirl. I would sort of agree about that scene between James and Wynn. Um I, I kind of liked it just because it sort of looks like they are friends now. But I that scene and then the scene with them with Kara when she's telling them about Adam, I was like, this is like that I thought was way more yes. awkward. Yeah, because right. he, here Kara is with this one dude who told her that he loved her. And she was like, mm, I don't feel the same way. And then there's this other dude who hasn't told her that he loves her, but she kind of likes him. And then she's talking about this other guy who she wants to go on a date with. And I was just like, this either needs to be a conversation with Alex or some other friend of hers who is a girl. This does not seem appropriate. Cara Danvers needs, if she's not going to have a scene with Alex, she needs to have another female Female friend. friend. Just because I felt like that was way inappropriate uh, for, for her to talk about her feelings about Adam with these two guys. See, I mean, I don't know that it was because, like, she doesn't have feelings for Wynn. Uh, she assumes, rightfully, because James has been acting this way up until this point, that James doesn't have feelings for her because he's with Lucy and he's chosen that. Mm. So, you know, to her, she's talking to the friend that she has started to talk to. So she assumes he's over her, you know, being angry at her or, or being weird around her about her not reciprocating and she's with her other friend who she thinks isn't interested in her. So to her, they are her girlfriends. They're her girlfriends. (laughs) And, and to her, like she gets this text and you could see that this text made her really happy. Like she was thrilled to get, like she was all giddy and giggling and, and here's a guy who's actually interested in that she's interested in back. Like, that's how it's supposed to work. This whole one-sided love thing is getting so old. Like, yeah. here Kara actually had somebody who was interested that she also liked. And she was happy about it. And these two guys are just acting a fool in front of her. And I, I guess I have a love-hate relationship with Wynn because I, I both loved and hated the fact that he was kind of looking at James floundering when when she's excited about her date and James is like overcompensating by being like I'm totally happy about that yeah totally and you see Wynn kind of enjoying watching him go through that 
like he was just kind of smiling, like giving him side eye and kind of smiling, uh, like now you know what it's like, buddy. You know, like I've been going through this for years, and now, yeah, like this is how I've been feeling this whole time. Like that's kind of the way the scene read to me, and I both loved that because it was kind of funny, but I also hated that Wynn was still this. Well, yeah, I mean, I think for him, he sort of enjoyed it a little bit because James is this big, strong, attractive dude. And Wynn probably is a little intimidated by that. And so for, yeah. him, for him to see th- this guy who could probably date any girl he wanted to, who is now having these car problems, that probably gives him a little bit of self-esteem. <laughs> because oh, yeah, he, I totally get Because it. he's like, well, if he's having problems. I don't feel so bad about myself. But yeah, yeah. I, I just, I felt really bad for Wynn in that scene with the three of them because... Kara was really kind of rubbing the Happy Adam text sort of in his face. Well, I don't think she was doing it intentionally, but yeah. that was sort of like, I was like, mm, I don't know, Kara, maybe, maybe you should not be so giddy about this in front of Wynn. You know, it's still a little fresh. They're still yeah, kind yeah. of trying they to just, build, they just started talking, build yeah. back their relationship again. So, I, yeah, I don't know. that The whole, I, w- I would rather focus on, like, the superhero stuff and the Supergirl stuff and, and like let this whatever this romantic love triangle love story business that needs to kind of go down a little bit, I think, because I really enjoyed the heck out of the Bizarro stuff, the Bizarro yeah. stuff, the Maxwell Lord stuff in this episode. Totally. Re- really liked it. But all of that kind of stuff. And, and I thought um, Blake Jenner did a, a good enough job. I thought his scenes with. Uh, Melissa were really cute and you, you know it was kind of hard to separate the knowledge that oh they're actually married in real life that was kind of that was hard for me to separate. Informing everything yeah yeah, yeah I was like okay they're playing characters this is weird um, but they did a really good job and they were they were cute together but you know some of that stuff was just like oh get back to the bizarro girl stuff. It's true well I, I also want to talk a little about because uh, I felt like everybody like, except for Kara and Bizarro had, like, character problems this episode, and it was weird. Um, Alex, I thought, um, and normally I love her. I'm, I'm a huge Team Alex person. But it was weird to me that she said that she called Bizarro, like, a science experiment. Mm. And that she was like, you're talking about her as if she's a person, but she's not. Like, uh, th- for me, that's that's not the Alex that we've come to know. Like, it surprised me that she wasn't on the same page with Kara on that one, because she's not like like that. That to me sounds like a comment from somebody who also, you know, hates aliens right. irrationally, or somebody who you know, like it just struck me as something that was off. But also, like in relation to Hank, um, I've kind of been feeling the past couple of episodes ever since he you know came out as Jean Jones. Alex has kind of been taking on a lot of the decision-making in a weird way. Like, you know, she's the one who decides to go get Maxwell Lord. She's the one who and, – and and Hank is just kind of left floundering and kind of – she's going around his back a lot. And like mm-hmm. – and I, I, I feel like ever since he came out as Martian Manhunter, now suddenly they've taken his power away almost in a weird way. It's like he's still Hank Henshaw. He's still head of the DEO. Right. Just, just because we know he's vulnerable doesn't mean – that Alex gets to get away with this stuff. And and I feel like um, if anybody should have made the decision about going after Maxwell Lord, it should have been Hank. Like, I understand his hesitation, but I feel like by the end of the episode, he should have been like, you know what? This is dangerous. You know, like having him be out there 
compromises because it does compromise the DEO in the sense that, you know, he knows their connection. You know, Maxwell Lord knows that uh, Kara is connected to Alex, which could get back to them. And and ha- know, having the world know that the DEO has been employing Supergirl, like, that's compromising to the organization. So I feel like at the end of the day, he would have been totally on board with, with taking Maxwell Lord out, especially since they are an a, quote, extra-legal organization, <laughs> um, as she puts it. Because um, I kind of wondered that, too. When, when Hank was saying, like, we can't arrest him, he's a billionaire, you know, whatever, people will be looking for him. And it's like, yeah, but you're the DEO. You're, like, you're like more secret than Black yeah, Ops. You can, like, you can make him disappear. You can make him disappear. Yeah, and have a big deal. Yeah, exactly. So I was, like, really puzzled by so, – so they have Alex kind of have to tell him that. And I thought that was really weird. Yeah, I mean, I get that she acted in a way to protect her family, and I sort of liked that part of Alex coming out. She was very protective. Oh, totally. Totally the big sister coming out in her. But I did think it was odd that she went in there without any kind of authorization from Hank, from the DO. She just kind of went rogue. And I, I laughed when she went to go see Maxwell, and she says— That was kind of a great scene, though. <laughs> she, but but um, the first—I think the first thing she says when she sees him is, it's you. It's always been you. And I was like, okay, that is a, that is a line that is in, like, every romantic comedy oh my that God. has ever been made. And that made me laugh. I, I know they probably did it that way to kind of play with how that context is, but— yeah, so Alex, I, I can understand where, where you're coming from with Alex, that she uh, was a little bit off in this episode. But I'll, I'll try to justify it in my head that she was just trying to be really protective of her family. Because, oh. because Max, he not only th- he threatened Supergirl um, and telling Supergirl's secret, he also threatened Eliza. So I wonder if yeah. he will in the future go after her, although I don't know how much uh, going after anybody he's going to be doing because they locked him up in a video <laughs> cell. So, exactly. uh, which I also have kind of an issue with because, like, they're throwing all of their big bads in prison. Astra's at the DEO, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Maxwell Lord is now there. Uh, is our girl still there? Like, they're all there. Like, wh- where where are your threats going to come from now? I, I know they have all these Fort Ross inmates kind of still out in national city but i was just like oh okay well i guess there's going to be a prison break sometime because (laughs) i feel like some of these these characters are going to get out yeah well and it's funny because then i have the same question that i have for the uh for the flash you know you're sticking all these people in there where do they go to the bathroom like (laughs) you know but yeah i'm sure they have that worked out they probably have a system uh but yeah like i i don't doubt that alex went after Maxwell Lord. Like, that That I understand. I understand the protecting the family. I didn't understand her having the feelings about Bizarro that she did. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and as far as, like, uh, Alex going after Maxwell Lord, it's not that I disagree with her having been the one to go get him. I totally buy that she would be into that 100%. But I didn't think that the decision had to be taken away from Hank in order for that to happen. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, so yeah, I was just like, I'm like, he's Martian freaking Manhunter. He knows what's up. He's an amazing leader. Like, let him be that leader. Don't like get so attached to his vulnerability that you kind of take away his power. The one thing I did like about Alex in this episode was during Supergirl and Bizarro's fight where she has to take the shot 
and uh, she she's like, Cara, I'm, you know, I don't know if I, you know, if I miss, I don't know what this is going to do to you. Right. And she has to be that good DEO agent and she has <laughs> to make that shot so that it is right on the money and it hits Bizarro. Mm-hmm. And it is really interesting when you kind of think about it that Bizarro had to go into this like coma after that. And she was kind of out for the count. So if Alex had missed, that would have happened to Supergirl. Yeah. I, well, I guess. I don't know. They said well, some, some of the way that they reacted to things were different. Yeah, it was opposite. So, like, maybe if, he would, if she would have shot Kara, Kara would be, like, super strong. Like, she would have hmm. grown 50 feet and, like, So maybe you know, it wouldn't have been so bad if she had missed after all, now that I think about it. Yeah, because I, I would imagine if, if it was designed to be – because they have, uh, you know, opposite powers. So, like, if it's designed to, you know, weaken Bizarro Girl, it would stand to reason that it would strengthen Give her Supergirl. Some juice. Yeah. You well, know? That's I a, don't know. Well, that's what it takes now, now that I'm thinking about it. Like, that takes sort of a lot of the tension out of that moment. Yeah. I mean, they didn't know that for sure. <laughs> that's like, they that's don't, true. That's you know, true. I think that the bigger point is that they don't know. You know, like, I, you know, it would have been, might have been cool to see. Maybe now, you know, Supergirl has vitamins. Um, <laughs> they could put whatever that is into pills and she could just take them and it'll be like extra. But I like that moment with Alex because she had to rely on her skill to yes. make that shot and, and get it right. And so I, I liked, you know, we, we kind of complained in another episode about how Alex had been shown to be a crappy DEO agent when Maxwell puts the bug in her purse. Oh, yeah. Which so- P- okay, P.S., that was not a small camera. And the <laughs> fact that she's like, he somehow knows that you're my sister. How does he know that? And I'm like, you, you haven't looked at your purse in, like, days so, so he, and he seen can, this camera? He could still he be bugging them. He could yeah. still be bugging them at this very minute. I'm like, I do not buy that she has not yet. Because, I, you know, if we could see the camera going, like, we saw the camera lens <laughs> coming out from her purse. Like, how does she not, like, go in there for her lipstick and be like, oh, crap, there's a camera in here. Well, hopefully now that she knows that Maxwell knows all their secrets, maybe she will go through all of his her stuff and maybe she'll find it. No, um, but, but, yeah, so, <laughs> so maybe, you know, that previous episode where we're like, oh, that sucks, that makes her look like a bad agent – I sort of looked at this episode where, yeah, she wasn't treating aliens like maybe she normally does because she has a big heart and she knows how the aliens feel because she's friends with them and is sisters with them. Uh, at least, I guess, in some ways, she was shown to be a good marksman and or a markswoman and a good agent. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I the positive that I'm taking away with Alex in this episode. Yeah, no, and and again, like I I love her character. Um, you know, I'm always down for for more Alex. Me too. Um, but uh, I also, you know, we've been, you know, complaining a lot about how they've handled Cat, And it's like now they totally have put the nail in the coffin. They, they like, legitimately had a scene where Cat is like, you know what? Maybe we should go back to employee, em- you know, employer, employee. Um, so they really have, like stopped the relationship they were building. What are they doing? I have, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, to me, one of the strengths of the show was that it was showing how women can help each other. How, how, you know, Kara has this mentor in cat that, that, you know, she'll grow with and whatever. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll happen down the line, but like, it seems really counterintuitive to like to go back to square one now like it's like all that character work that they did just out the window and now it's back to it's like they reset it for no good reason and that's really and the fact that it was official this episode and just because you know 
she's not dating her son anymore. Like, that's weird. Like, <laughs> Well, I guess from Kat's perspective, she saw how maybe bummed Adam was about it. And she and what I liked about Kat in this episode is that when Kara bailed on Adam that first time, I think it was, she Kat goes and has dinner with Adam. Like, she's yes. kind of the substitute who comes in for that. And I was like, oh, that's nice. It, you know, yeah. that what was bad for Kara ended up benefiting Kat to kind of get to know her son a little more. Yeah, totally. Um, and so I think... For Kat, she was just bummed because he was bummed, and I liked seeing that out of her, her but yeah, I just... I and also that he left. Like, I think it was more... She yeah, was true. upset because Kara was keeping him in town. The right. longer they're together, the longer she has access true. to her son. Now he had no reason to stay, so she's probably resentful of that. And I, I get that, but like... It's not like, like, you know, and I know you are not a fan of this, but Kara basically helped them repair their relationship. So even though he's living in another city, they can now talk. She can yeah. now pick up a phone and call him. Like, that's in place. Um, so, you know, for her to be that upset at Kara over this and just kind of closing the door on a more friendly relationship, just, uh, yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. And for me, it's hard not to think about, well, what, what else could they have done with this whole story? And so I started thinking about, well, Kara and Adam could over, you know, the rest of the season get really close and then Toy Man comes back into the picture and maybe he kills or, you know, seriously injures Adam and that brings Kat and Kara close because they're both maybe mourning Adam or something like that. Like, yeah. that, in my head, that's what I saw happening because I, I think that would be a really compelling story and then you could have, like, a, a nod to the source material and all that kind of stuff. Right. But mm-hmm. what they did was they just shut the door on any potential thing that could be happening. And so I, I don't, like, I think every episode since Blood Bonds, I'm like, what are they doing with Kat and Kara? Because every episode seems to just, like you, you were saying, like, keeps, like, chopping away at their relationship until there has, there's nothing left now. They are truly, Kat wants to be boss and employee now. And... I don't even think they were boss and employee in the pilot because it seemed like Carr had been working her, for her for a while. A while, yeah. And so they knew each other very well, even if Kat still didn't know how to pronounce her name correctly. Like, I think they were more than boss and employee there. So I just, I, I'm kind of like throwing my hands up with Kat and Kara because it just, for for the first half of the season, that was my favorite part of the show was yeah. their, was their dynamic, and so now I'm just like I have no idea what's happening anymore. <laughs> well, and it's funny they they seem to be walking back a lot of stuff, and my only guess is that the you know now that they know that they, they have, the have a full nine. season. Yeah. Um, they're probably going to start working towards something else or evolving the story in a different way. I just hope that whatever it is pays off because the the way that they've walked the, you know this back and other things back is kind of crappy. So <laughs> this just better be worth it is all I'm saying. Yeah, that was my thinking too was that they they probably worked those first nine episodes or whatever it was like right before the the big break as if we don't get the back nine, we're going to make these episodes and be awesome. And that's when they had the reveal that Kat knew who Kara really was and all that kind of stuff. And so that would have been a good ending if those were the only episodes they got to do. That would have been a great ending to Supergirl. Right. And so now they are having to kind of backtrack and start over, I guess. So 
I, yeah, I'm with you. I just, it's not a real good payoff because like every episode I'm kind of having to reset my brain to think, okay, this is what their dynamic is now. So it, it's very bizarre, which yeah. I guess is appropriate for this episode. <laughs> of course. We love puns. Here we do. Radio. We do. Um, <laughs> well, I think that's, uh, that pretty much wraps up our discussion. Let's get into what our listeners had to say about Bizarro this week. At Madtown Davidson tweeted, I didn't think that was the finest episode of Supergirl, but I liked how they gave Bizarro Girl her humanity. At M. Teeston tweeted, really liked the introduction of Bizarro and their fights. James admitting his feelings was a nice touch, too. At Brie Quinn 23 tweeted, I felt so bad for Adam and Bizarro. Love how Supergirl held her hand at the end and was so loving in her tone. And Black Mercy. Yeah, we didn't talk about the very end scene where Kara flies back into her Oh, yes, yes. Um, which this may teach Kara to maybe not leave her window open, darling family style, because anybody can just <laughs> pop up into darling her. Darling family style. I, love I mean, it. anybody can just waltz up in your apartment, especially if they're Kryptonian or they can fly or whatever. Um, they can just come in your apartment and leave creepy plant-like things that may also have a bug on the ceiling. I couldn't quite determine what that was, but um, yeah, so something's going to happen to Kara. Yeah, no, and, and it's funny because uh, I, I had no idea what that thing was. Um, so, you know, this, this viewer, thank you for mentioning Black Mercy because I uh, just looked it up. At is high on life tweeted, Adam was great again tonight. Maxwell and Bizarro Girl tonight show that Supergirl rogues are right up there with the Flash. At Mrs. underscore Eek uh, tweeted, liked it, but Jimmy and Wynn talking about Kara was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. That's the best word to describe it. At Mark HBPWM tweeted, I love the Bizarro story, but Cat pulling the name out of thin air was too arbitrary and easy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, Bizarro seems like one of those names you could just kind of brainstorm and, oh, got one. <laughs> Although I do love how uh, in that scene, you know, they're talking about how Kara, you know, hasn't kissed on the first date, which, you know, none of your business, Kat. But yeah. um, especially and that's your son. That's creepy. But yeah, um, it's weird. But like, I love how, you know, she looks at the TV and says Bizarro and Ka and Kara's like, I'm not that weird. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice little comedic moment. So, hey, we're not. At Skinny Ellie tweeted, felt there was another episode left in Adam Kara, but now we're straight onto Kara and James. Bouncing around from love interest to love interest in the course of three episodes? I can't applaud the writers for that. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Neither can we. <laughs> um, at Vandal Vandalix Surgeon uh, tweeted, quality episode. Hank talking about wearing the skirt had me in stitches. Yes. Max Lord twirled his mustache off. <laughs> right. at Dwayne L or Dwayne IB IB uh, you got it you got to correct us on that and let us know which one it is uh, true. tweeted Bizarro Girl was great rest of the episode was meh wish DEO was better written glad Adam left never got past the stunt casting yeah that's hard when you know things about people at Audrey Yet tweeted so moved by the last scene with Cara and Bizarro Cara is all heart at Reggie Mantle 3, or the third, the third. <laughs> uh, tweeted, Each week captures the same heart and charm of the animated series. Perhaps Supergirl is even better. The makeup was super. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think some of the uh, Bizarro stuff might have been makeup. I don't know that that would have been all CG, so it was pretty good. Yeah, no, I loved how she looked. 
at Paradox Kid tweeted, really like the reverse of Powers. Would have been cool to have it spread across two full episodes. Still very cool overall. Yeah, we should mention that that's a very... Um, I think we briefly mentioned that they have reverse powers, but yeah, the the flame breath. Yeah. Or I think they called mm-hmm. it. Fi- I think they called it fire breath in the episode and the the freeze vision. So yeah, that, that was neat to see. Well, um, and uh, oh, no, sorry, I was just gonna say that. Um, you know, uh, the fact that they're holding her at the DEO in a medically induced coma, like uh, they seem to be trying to figure out how to fix her or mm-hmm. at least make her healthy enough to to live. So my hope is that. Hope Lauren will be back because um, I loved that actress's performance as Bizarro, and I hope that they might have those two interact again on more friendly terms uh, later. I would love that. I would love to see a return of Bizarro. Uh, well, at Bruins Fan three seven two five tweeted, "It was incredible." At Kara Riley or Kara Riley, maybe um, tweeted, "I loved how we saw Kara's true self shine through when she tried so hard to help Bizarro." At John Reed's Comics tweeted, One thing I love about Supergirl is how it reverses typical gender roles. James and Wynn are totally the girls. Um, and he put girls in quotation marks. Um, yeah, so I think we, we hit on that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. They are a little more damsel and distressy, um, But I think they're okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is great. Um, at TM Rupert tweeted, James, Adam, Wynn, and Kara. It's a classic love tr- quadrilateral. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, too much. I, I'm okay with love quad quadrangles is is what I call them. Um, like they 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 did them a couple times on Lost. They've done them before on The Young the Restless, some on the soaps. Um, but I don't know that this is as well uh, as done as well as say on Lost. Um, so I'm I'm a little disappointed with that. But yeah, it's sort of this weird quadrangle that has occurred. Um, and our last tweet, which I, I think is very fitting to end on, uh, is from Mr. at Mr. J's comic review tweeted me hated episode. It am boring. Adam leaving made me so happy. Me hope he stays away. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can reverse all of that, you can get what he was uh, trying to say. So uh, thank you all for tweeting in your thoughts. We also got an email uh, from Gregory who wrote, quote, whether or not she was portrayed by Melissa Benoist or Hope Lauren, it was actually Bizarro Girl that stole the show in this episode. Both actresses captured the innocence of Bizarro Girl so perfectly that I really felt as though Melissa and Hope were both the same character. I'm looking forward to the day that Bizarro Girl and Supergirl team up to save the day together in a future episode, end quote. Um, I totally agree with you, Gregory. Uh, I thought both of them handled that character really well, and uh, I hope we get to see more of Hope Lauren. We also have an email from Jack who asked really great questions about Bizarro. He asked, just because Bizarro has Kara's DNA doesn't mean she has the feelings and brain patterns, too. Why would she assume to kidnap kidnap Jimmy? And why did Bizarro's costume change when she went all ghoul? Um, unquote. Uh, so yeah, the, that's some scientific mumbo jumbo, I guess that happened in the episode. <laughs> it's science magic. Yeah. Um, I think, I think sometimes you just, uh, I guess have to go with the explanation that they just, they were the same person. They were just flipped. And so if you follow that logic, uh, then Bizarro would have known that James was close to Kara and that Kara cared about him and that's why she went after him. And I was actually trying to follow the progression of the change of the S-Shield because in their first encounter between Supergirl and Bizarro Girl, Bizarro has a regular S-Shield. So that's why people think she is Supergirl's because she has that regular S. 
Then in the scene with Maxwell Lord talking about how she doesn't think Supergirl is bad, she has a regular S-Shield. Then when she's kidnapped James Olsen, that's when she has the bizarro backwards S, the reverse S. So I was just like, when did this happen? When, when did she all of a sudden get a different costume? So I was a little confused about that, but I'll go with it. Yeah, no. And honestly, like, how, you know, why is there a planet with all sorts of bizarro people on it? Like, you know, it's, it's bizarro girl. Like I only need so much scientific explanation <laughs> for me to go with it because it's it's bizarro that's kind of the point so yeah there's some uh, questions that you could just kind of have to let the show lead you to but the costume change thing i will give jack that that was very strange i didn't fully in- they should have had a scene in there where maxwell was like i have a new costume for you because yours got messed up so i'm gonna give you this one or so or something because uh, that was a little weird that all of a sudden she had that different costume. Yeah, because yeah, because just just because her face degraded doesn't mean her her costume flipped. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, maybe you could justify it like that, but it it was very strange. Um, well, thank you all for writing in and sharing your thoughts. If you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify. So <laughs> yep. if you want to, please check out our playlist. And uh, we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. Um, And thanks to Maria's Pretty Cool for leaving us a review on iTunes. Yes, Maria, you are indeed pretty cool. And we appreciate your support. Uh, Thank you so much. And we are part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even DC movies, we've got a podcast for that. So subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcast on Twitter and like DC TV podcast on Facebook. And uh, as for me, you can always find me every day at the Mary Sue. That's the Mary Sue.com. Uh, you can also find me. Um, I'm all over social media at Teresa Gisino. Um, You can find me at my website, uh, Teresa Gisino.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D E R B Y K I D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duck milk prod. That's D U C K M I L K P R O D. Um, And now, actually, uh, before we sign off or before we go into our uh, spoiler section for the week, um, I do have an announcement to make, um, which is kind of sad, but, you know, hopefully not that sad. I only have a couple of weeks left on Supergirl Radio. Um, Sadly, I am not going to be able to co-host the show anymore. Um, Life has just gotten in the way. Um, There's other stuff that I want and need to be doing. Um... And sadly, you know, I I just don't have the time to do everything. And so I am going to have to bid a fond farewell to Supergirl Radio for the moment. Uh, As of right now, um, my last episode will be February 23rd, which is the last episode of ours in February. And it's kind of, you know, it's it's uh, I'm making the choice to to kind of move on and do other stuff. But I am sad about it, too, because I've really had a lot of fun doing this. Um, and I, I love talking to you, Rebecca, and uh, I love hearing from our listeners and, and talking Supergirl and all that. But, yeah, it's a decision I had to make, and uh, I hope you all are okay with that. And I hope <laughs> you, you enjoy the next couple of episodes. Um, you know, I've been having a great time, and uh, I just wanted to give you a heads up 
in advance. I didn't want to spring this on you like on my last day. Um, so just know that that's happening. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll talk more about it, you know, as we get closer to, to me leaving, obviously. But, um, but I did want to let you guys know that now. I definitely have enjoyed talking about Supergirl with you for a year. I mean, we're, we're coming up to a year for Supergirl yes. Radio. So um, I'm really proud of the episodes we've done. And I think it's been really fun to discuss all the stories and all the characters that we've come across over this yeah. year. And um, I, I was maybe going to save this for the last episode. But, Teresa, one of the things that I love about talking with you and discussing with you is that you have helped me be able to disagree with someone uh, because <laughs> that that's that's one of my um, my weaknesses about my personality and so um, talking with you has really helped me figure out a way to do that and do it respectfully and um, every time I talk to you even if we disagree um, we can always kind of come to a compromise and and yeah. being able to meet in the middle so I've really enjoyed our discussions and even though I'm sad you're leaving. Uh, I totally understand. You got to do what you got to do. Um, I think we even <laughs> talked about that one episode with Wen, where he, uh, you know, confessed his feelings for Kara. You know, sometimes you got to do what's right for you. And so I wish you all the best. And I hope yeah. that this time away from Supergirl Radio will help you achieve your goals. And so I'm, I'm really excited for you, actually, because this, this might help you get to a new chapter in your life. So um, I hope this is a, a good step in that direction. Yes. No, thank you so much. And, and that's really, I love how like talking to me helps you disagree with people. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, I, in I, such I a positive way. Rising sometimes. <laughs> no, uh, no I, mean, of, I meant that in the most positive way possible. No, of course. No, I know. I know. Um, and, and that's really sweet of you to say. I, I've loved it here as well. And let's not put too much of a damper on things because this isn't my last episode. So right. I will be here throughout February. Um, so you still have me to deal with for a while. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're gonna have to put up with me for a while still. I can't believe it's been a year. Like that's, that's blowing my mind right now. Yeah. We've done a crazy amount of episodes and they, I, and I don't want to brag, but they've all been really quality. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I think, uh, we've, we've done a, a super job here. And I should also mention that even though Teresa is leaving, we are going to have two uh, co-hosts that are going to be joining me, and they're no strangers to Supergirl Radio. Um, Carly Lane and Morgan Glennon have agreed to speak with me about Supergirl. Yay! Uh, for... I love them both so much. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Yes, for the remainder of the season, and you'll actually get to hear them if you listen to the Adventures of Supergirl Radio episodes we're going to be doing. Um, they're going to be talking about the comic with me there as well. So. Nice. Um, don't freak out. It's not going to j- be just me. So you don't have to listen to me <laughs> ramble on by myself. There oh my will there, be some other people who are going to be joining me. So that's also very exciting. But we know at least you you know you've still got Rebecca Johnson, the prime DC nerd, no, um, <laughs> leading the conversation here. So it's all good, guys. Well, now that we've gotten through all of that, uh, if you do want to stick around for a quick spoiler section about next week's episode of Supergirl, we're going to be doing that after our theme music. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. Maxwell Lord may say, Supergirl bad. But Supergirl help people.
is that thing? A telepathic parasite known as the Black Mercy. She has her trapped in her perfect fantasy. Where am I? I'm on Krypton. Her heart rate is spiking. The brainwaves are off the chart. Father, this isn't real. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl next week. Uh, The next episode is called For the Girl Who Has Everything. The official description says, quote, Kara's friends must find a way to save her life when a parasitic alien attaches itself to her and traps her in a dream world where her family is alive and her home planet was never destroyed. Also, Alex, Hank, and the DEO must fend off a Kryptonian attack while Kara is out of commission, unquote. So what in this episode description excites you the most? Well, I mean, I think, you know, being able to see what Kara's dream world is like, um, being able to see uh, what would have happened to Krypton had it just continued on. Um, we had mentioned, you know, a couple episodes ago that they were casting for a young Kal-El and we were kind of wondering how that would work. So perhaps, you know, it's in this episode that we'll see young Kal-El and, and that they get to grow up together and, uh, that he never came to earth. You know, he, he was never sent away. So they would have had like a childhood together as cousins. So that I'm very interested to see like what, what Kara's dreams of what could have been actually are. Cause we kind of, hear about them in passing and, and we know she's in pain, but we, this will be like a glimpse into her head. So that'll be really cool. Yeah. I'm really excited about the Krypton stuff and, and seeing what life would be like for her on Krypton. And I agree. I think the young Kal-El is probably in this episode and that's probably going to tear at the heartstrings. Oh my God. Um, and it will actually be nice to actually see them interact instead of just, <laughs> I am chatting. Uh, but I'm also really excited about this uh, scenario where the DEO has to handle things without Supergirl. I think this will be the first time, maybe, that we will have seen that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited to see like what they do and how they get Kara out of this parasitic alien, the the Black Mercy. You know how yeah. how, how do they get that away from her, and how does she come out of this dream world? That's that's going to be uh, something to look for. And if you want to prep for this episode, and I kind of did this a little bit myself this week, um, you can read the comic story that this adaptation is based on called For the Man Who Has Everything by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. And you can also watch the Justice League Unlimited episode that um, is based on that comic story. And that's also called For the Man Who Has Everything. It's a really good episode. Um, I highly recommend it. And it's Justice League Unlimited, so of course it's great. But uh, those are some cool things that you can check out if you want to know more about what this episode is going to be based on. Yeah, it's interesting to see the, uh, the, the Watchmen team uh, having, you know, done this story. It's it. it should be really cool. And I've never read it, so it'll be a good thing for me to go back to. Um, I also thought, uh, it, I just registered the fact that in the description, it talks about fending off a Kryptonian attack. So that means that, you know, uh, Astra might be in lockup, but Where, else, Where's Non? Yeah. Is, is Non like, still out there? Yeah, Ooh, non. May, maybe Non sent the Black Mercy. It's quite possible. Mm-hmm. Um because, yeah, all those escaped Fort Roz people, somebody probably had Black Mercy with them. Yeah, no, it's it'll be interesting to see what the Kryptonians are up to now, <laughs> wreaking havoc. But yeah, uh, that's it for, for our spoiler section, I guess. Um, 
Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back uh, next week with another episode of Supergirl Radio.